All right. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for February 14th, 2022, the day after Super Bowl 56. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. Ian O'Connor is here. We're going to break it all down with the most important plays, coaching decisions and such. Uh, Thank you. If you are watching right now on the Twitch or YouTube, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, don't forget to make some comments ask some questions. We want to talk all about the game. Uh, Please like and subscribe to this show on YouTube or Twitch or wherever you're watching. If you're uh, listening to this afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, please remember to uh, like and uh, subscribe to the show. And remember, just because the season is over does not mean it is the end of content on Football Outsiders, and it doesn't mean it is the end of these streams. Uh, We're going to have draft streams with Mike Tanier and Derek Klassen coming up, and we're going to have some free agency previews starting this Wednesday. We're going to go division by division for the next four weeks on Wednesday and Thursday. So this Wednesday, join me, Mike, and Vince Verhey, and we'll talk about the NFC West. That's what's coming up. But first, let's talk about the team from the NFC West that won the Super Bowl. It was a huge game, good storylines, emotions throughout. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, The first drive was a punt, Cincinnati. uh, The the Rams punted, Cincinnati got the ball near midfield, and within three plays they faced a fourth and one. And you know what we like to talk about on this show, which is fourth and one decisions. And Zach Taylor, who actually was one of the more conservative coaches in the league, went aggressive. I think this is a good example of how the league as a whole has gotten more aggressive over the last four years because this is the kind of decision that would have been seen as aggressive back in the day, but nowadays it's seen as sort of old hat. Yeah, especially on their first drive of the game, um, you know, kind of would Kind of, it's one of those where I'm not really surprised that he went for it, but wouldn't be surprised to see him punt at the same time you mentioned. Not really been super aggressive. He came into this game or in the regular season was 21st in our CCI metric, which is the fourth down decision making. Sean McVay was 23rd. So these two coaches were very close. Um, I think Taylor uh, is seen a little bit more as a little bit more aggressive than McVay, even though they are pretty close in that CCI metric. He's had some really good calls this year. And this was a good one. Again, fourth and one right across midfield decides to go for it. 3.7% increase in pre-snap win probability. It was the second best of this game. Uh, and was a really good one. It's a big number, 3.7 to open or that early in the game. Uh, being near midfield, a fourth and one kind of all lines up. Um, with one of those where punting, you know, can flip the field a little bit, but it really isn't worth as much as people think that it is in that situation. So didn't get it, but it was a really good call. And, and he kind of kept that mentality going forward on fourth down. Yeah, Ernest Jones slapped it away. You know, overall, this is going to come up again and again, and we're talking about this game, but overall the Bengals were lousy in short yardage. They only converted three out of ten opportunities on uh, one and two yards to go, whether that's second, third, or fourth down. So uh, the Rams did make it down. You know, they started midfield, made it down for a touchdown. The Bengals finally went to a single high look. And uh, OBJ ended up with Mike Hilton covering him where they had this interesting play where they had like two rovers in the middle of the field uh, in man coverage. They only rushed three, but two guys were just sort of waiting at the sticks for mesh or something. And instead, 
they went with a long fade to OBJ in the end zone for the first touchdown. So the Bengals then came back, kicked a field goal on their next drive, and then the Rams had another touchdown as Matthew Stafford found Cooper Cup. Then they botched the extra point when Johnny Hecker could not hang on to the hold. And that made it 13-3. to And the Bengals responded with their own score. And I love halfback option pass. I love it so much. Joe Mixon with the halfback option pass to T. Higgins. Uh, that made it 13-10 to Rams and won a lot of people money who bet the anytime passer prop of over two and a half passers. Now, what would have been really interesting would have been if they didn't uh, have the mix and throw, would they have counted the Johnny Hecker pass on the, the boarded extra point to score the two and a half anytime over prop uh, on passers? My guess is that it would not have counted, but it may have been different by the book. I'm not sure. Yeah, the data, the way it comes in, um, it looked at it, it counts it uh, on a couple different places, counted that as a straight up two point attempt, not even mentioning aborted, you know, extra point or or snap or anything like that. So that's an interesting point. And then to Joe, uh, the Joe Mix, I think when I saw any time uh, or any other position player pass was like plus 1400 as well, or any other position player passing touchdown. So a big win there for some people too. Yeah, Bob Broccoli points out it looked like the Bengals had life. They had a five-yard button hook that went for about 20. I think he's talking about the Jamar Chase play, which actually went longer than that. Um, Stafford tried to make another play at the end of the half. He threw it deep to Van Jefferson, but was picked off by Je uh, Jesse Bates. That was basically an arm punt. I don't really have a problem with that interception because nobody was open, and it was third long, and they were going to have to punt on the next uh, – on the next play anyway, and then Vernon Hargraves decided to run in from the sideline, getting a 10-yard penalty. So the Bengals started on a 10-yard on the 10-yard line anyway, which you know sounds like a good punt to me. Yeah. Um, then we hit halftime and an amazing halftime show, which uh everybody got into an argument about on the internet about which generation gets to claim Eminem and Dr. Dre as their own. <laughs> That is a weird <laughs> argument to have, but it, it did show how uh, rap music has become respectable music for old people because people like me are old people. I'm an old person now. And uh, Tom Brahan has a really good article at Stereogum.com about the meaning of the halftime show that I recommend to everybody. I also recommend Tom's uh, number one uh the number ones column. If you like music, stereogum.com, the number ones. He's going through every number one hit of all time, talking about them. There, it's a really good column if you're interested in things for uh, music. Um, we'll get to uh, Bob's talking about uh, Evan McPherson and what he needed for a game tying field goal at the end, but we'll get to that. Let's go through the second, uh, the second half from the beginning. Joe Burrow came out slinging, and he connected with T. Higgins for a huge 75-yard touchdown. Controversial, because what looked at first like Jalen Ramsey just stumbling on his feet ended up being T. Higgins grabbing Ramsey by the face mask and pulling him down. So it absolutely should have been offensive pass interference, but this was the second most impactful play of the game. 
Yeah, it ended up being 17%, obviously, is is huge there. It's a long touchdown, first down, um, first and 10, first play of the, the second half of the third quarter there. Took the Bengals from um, being underdogs to win, obviously trailing about three, 36.5%, up to 53.5%, so put them just over 50%, making them the favorites there. I think this is something, too, that Frank Frigo uh, here at Edge Sports is covering in his Risky Business column, looking at the impact of that on the potential outcomes uh, looking at, you know, what is the likelihood of different scoring outcomes, especially with the spread being, I think it closed, it got to four, up to four again, went to four and a half, I think it closed. Uh, that touchdown could have been big in that situation. So again, second most impactful play, 17% uh, was was a, a big one to start the second half. And the Bengals depended on the big play all year long, and this game was no different. So they actually outgained the Rams on a per play basis, 5.0 to 4.7. Or if you want to take out the kneel downs, it was 5.1 to 4.8. If you take out this pass for 75 yards, the Bengals only averaged 3.9 yards a play in this game. So this play was huge. And so it felt like the momentum had shifted. Now, we know momentum is uh, mostly a load of nonsense because nobody can actually define what it means until after the fact. Uh, but what really had shifted was that Odell Beckham Jr. was injured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's not a momentum shift. That's a, oh, my God, the Rams are a team built around stars, and they just lost one, and now they have to throw to Skoranek. Uh, that was what, the, what really happened. And then they threw to Skoranek, and the ball went right off of Skoranek's hands, and into the hands of the Bengals. And that is the number three most impactful play of the game by win probability. Yep, the Rams get the ball back. They're trailing now first and 10 at their own 17 after the kickoff intercepted 12.7% decrease in win probability. Uh, So I mentioned the Cincinnati had just gotten up to over 53, uh, over 50% to 53 and a half. Uh, the Rams were at 45.3 after that kickoff, uh, not getting to the 25 and dropped them down to 32.6. So, uh, less than one out of three times they win the game after that interception. We know this ended up being one of those three came back to win, but that was absolutely huge, especially at that point in the game. You mentioned the momentum shift, if you will, uh, at at the start of the second half. So that was very big play again, third most impactful. It wasn't a momentum shift. It was, hey, Odell Beckham is out, and now the Bengals had two huge plays in their favor. That's not a momentum shift. It's a win probability shift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Zach Taylor tried going for it again on fourth down, and this time he succeeded. So this is our second best coaching decision of the game as far as fourth downs go. Third quarter, 13.06 left, fourth and one, Rams 22. Yeah, so 1.9% increase. I actually think this ends up being third. It looks like that might be off on our uh, the notes oh, here. Oh, our trip is wrong. All right. <laughs> but that's all right. 1.9. So you think it's interesting that it's a little bit smaller um, than that the first one was in the beginning of the game at, at midfield. But the field goal there is very makeable, 22 uh, from the 22-yard line. Uh, so you've got the chance for points versus a ch- just punting the ball and not having a chance for points at all in that other fourth and one. Um so this one, they're leading at this point to 17-13. A field goal makes it a, a seven-point lead instead of uh, earlier in the game. It would have uh, it was a punt. They were still tied at zero. A lot of left to play. Um, 
But yeah, that field goal would have been big, but converting here still gives you the chance for a touchdown, which exactly what happened. They converted, didn't get the touchdown, ended up having to settle for a field goal, but Burrow was able to just scramble up the middle. Looked like he was maybe going to get tripped up uh, there right around the line of scrimmage, but was able to make it, get past the line. Uh, again, 1.9% pre-snap increase. So Zach Taylor staying aggressive on fourth downs, which we'd love to see. And people who criticized Taylor's first fourth down go when they didn't make it, of course, didn't say anything about this one, but it actually didn't help them in the long run because the next series stalled out and the Bengals had to kick a field goal. Anyway, uh, the Rams then had a long drive that resulted in a field goal, and that made the game 22-16. Then we get to the fourth quarter, and McVay made a few errors, according to our model, when the game was 20 and 16, uh, 20 to 16 Bengals. Let's talk about the Rams punting, uh, although these are on you know reasonably long yardages. Yeah, these are ones looking at them this morning. You could, there's a case, you know, for both sides. I think uh, they're pretty close. There's still going to be some uh, some chunks in win probability. Uh, the first one came it was fourth and seven to start or early in the in the fourth quarter 14 11 left in the game fourth and seven at the cincy 49 so you're across midfield um again punting doesn't flip the field a ton uh you're down four to uh, four as well you've got a whole quarter to play uh but it ends up being a 2.9 percent decrease in win probability by choosing to punt um they're around 35 percent so um, around 10-ish percent relative win probability. So like you said, not a huge difference there. Um, but still, that's one with that Rams offense against that Bengals defense that you know is kind of middle of the pack, not really great, um, especially with Eli Apple on the other side, which he he took a lot of flack uh, last night and then today. Well, I've seen. he talked a lot of crap. He yeah. talked a lot of, you know, he talked a big game at, earlier in the playoffs against the Chiefs. Yep. So the Chiefs <laughs> kind of came back at him on Twitter. Yeah, Miko Hardman, Tyree Kill, they got their, their shots in, I saw. But but still, choosing to punt there, you know, was a, a 3%, again, not a massive uh, error. But still, when you're you're losing and, and you're underdog to win at that point in the game, um, you got to take advantage of every opportunity. And then the next one came just four minutes later, fourth and four at their own 41. This was another one, again, that could go either way, that fourth and medium uh, with Stafford, you know, kind of not having Odell Beckham, we mentioned, is is huge. Um, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford found a way to make it work anyway, but a fourth and four here choosing to punt ends up being the biggest error of the, the weekend, obviously just the one game, but a 5% error choosing to punt there on that fourth and four. Uh, they were at 31, so they were even lower in win probability. So this is even bigger uh, relative impact there. Um, but he, Sean McVay makes up for it uh, here a little bit later on. Yeah, so the Bengals couldn't do anything in the second half of this game. Uh, the Bengals really couldn't do much because their offensive line finally shattered. Uh, the Rams started overloading the right side, and they were only sending four pass rushers, but they were like sending them all on the same side of the line. And Aaron Donald, and they finally got Aaron Donald at the quarterback, and the Bengals weren't getting anything done on offense. So the Rams finally get the ball back for one last big drive, and they decided on this drive, uh, screw it. Cooper Cup is our best receiver. We're, we're just going to go to Cooper Cup no matter what. And the Bengals were actually playing a lot of zone coverage, and Cooper Cup was like, hi, find me in the middle of the zone, especially a play that you have um, – Probably seen a lot on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, people showing Matthew Stafford with a no-look pass where he anticipated where Cup was going to be and threw it before Cup got there. But before we even got to that point, Cup 
played a major role in the best coaching decision of the game. Yeah, fourth and one at their own 30 for the Rams, 454 left. This is a pretty clear go. I wasn't sure McVay was going to do it, to be honest. And it between the plays, they kind of cut away from the field and look at other things, talk about other things. So you couldn't really see what was going on. You just kind of listened. It sounded like the crowd started to get a little bit louder. Um, the broadcaster saying, you know, it looks like they're going to leave him on the field, at least for now. The offense, that is, decides to go for it. 5.8% increase in pre-snap win probability. As we like to do, looking at kind of the risk-reward, um, the required conversion rate was around 46% for the Rams. A fourth and one, as we know, we've mentioned uh, a bunch here. Uh, you're expected to convert close to 70% of the time, especially with a very good offense like the Rams. It might even be a little bit higher. Um, that 70% is, about, is for average teams against average teams. So really good decision for McVay. Last time he was in the Super Bowl against Belichick and the Patriots, both both coaches went very conservative on fourth and shorts around midfield, field goal range. Um, and this time it was nice to see both coaches go the opposite way. And Sean McVay surprised us all here again, finished 23rd and fourth down. Uh, all of his best fourth down goes this year were on fourth and ones. So he really didn't have, you know, any of those, you know, more. He had a, maybe a couple, but mo most of them were fourth and shorts. He had plenty of fourth and one errors as well. But this one, he made the right call and it, paid off in a big way. Yeah, this is one of those play calls where if it didn't work, we would all be destroying McVay for it today and talking about how he outthought himself by getting fancy. But the Cooper Cup jet sweep looked beautiful. Yeah, he'd get the Brandon Staley treatment if, if they hadn't converted Absolutely. that loss. Uh, the Rams make it into the red zone, and then you have some interesting penalties. Now, um, I saw Michael Lombardi on Twitter say, there's a missed false start on the Rams on the third and goal play where they mm. called the Bengals for a defensive hold that gave the Rams four more downs. And he called that the biggest play of the game. I don't think so. I think the biggest missed penalty of the game is clearly the missed face mask on the 75-yard touchdown because that was a 75-yard touchdown. <laughs> yep. and, and the Rams wouldn't have been in the position to need four more downs in the red zone at the end of the game if they had not handed that 75-yard touchdown to the Bengals. But um, it was a big play. It was a big officiating error, no question, that they missed mm -hmm. that false start. But then there was a DPI that I thought was pretty obvious. Um, and I, I actually think the defensive holding was pretty obvious too. People said it was questionable. I thought it was yeah. a, a good call. You know, that the refs swallowed their whistles for most of the game. Then all of a sudden on this drive, they brought out their whistles. But I, I other than missing the false start, I thought that the refs did a good job on this last drive. Yeah, I think the first offensive or off first defensive holding was the one that that shouldn't have been called. I think it was Logan Wilson over the middle on cup. Didn't look like there was a lot, but the second one there, um, right in the end zone or at the goal yeah, line the second was, one was in the red zone is on well oh see i i thought the one on cup the holding was i thought that that was a reasonable call and then there was the dpi on eli apple on cup and that was definitely yes, epi and yeah i understand useful was first says after everything the refs were letting go it seemed like an egregious call because it was it was a it wasn't a gigantic hold but i don't feel like that was a questionable call the questionable part was that they missed the false start so Rams get it in the end zone and take the lead 23 to 20. I guess there was some discussion about whether the Rams should have gone for two. In my mind, there's no way you go for two here because if you kick a field goal, the other team will play conservative and try to tie the game. If you go for two and miss, they can win the game with a field goal. And if you go for two and get it, 
you're encouraging them to play aggressive and win the game in regulation. So it, by no means do you go for two here. You go for one and you take a 23 to 20 lead. Are you in agreement with me on this? Yeah, we had it around, I think it was 6% in favor of the extra point. And for those exact reasons that, you know, you're either going to gonna make them be conservative or they're more, more likely be conservative if you kick the field goal. But to your point of if you do get the two-point conversion, they're going to be extremely aggressive because they have to have a touchdown to win the game. Um, and if you don't get it, you screwed yourself. Yeah, and then it feels especially the way Evan McPherson's been been kicking uh, in the playoffs. Um, one more thing too, just on the the penalties you were talking about, I think too that people are, are kind of I've seen a lot of how the refs handed the you know LA the game, the NFL wanted LA to win it, this and that. I think too it, it has to do with the fact it happened so late in the game, whereas the T Higgins one, there was so much time left in the game. So many things can happen. People look at it as, well, there's only a minute and a half left. So there's really no way the Bengals could overcome it at that point. I think it's more of a, an optics um, and kind of uh, situation based as well. But the Bengals could overcome it. I mean, the Bengals got the ball back with a minute and a half left and two timeouts. And all they needed was a field goal to go to overtime. That is not the hardest situation. Right. And they almost got into Evan McPherson's field goal range. Bob Rockley says that he heard that McPherson only needed about 10 more yards for a game-tying field goal. Unfortunately, he never got there. So let's talk about two super impactful plays. And again, I talked about the Bengals sucking on short yardage in this game. And one of the things was, listen, there's not that much difference between running backs when it comes to getting short yardage. There's some indication from history that like there is no such thing as a goal line back that your ability to score touchdowns at the goal line uh over or under expectation is sort of random from year to year and i don't know whether that's also true for first downs but it was weird that they insisted on having samaj pirine in the game instead of joe mixon so let's talk about third and one at the rams 49 48 seconds left yeah, choosing to give it to Pirine. I've seen, I think it was, what, five, third or fourth and one um, situations for the Bengals and didn't have Mixon on the field for any of them uh, or maybe for one of them, something like that. I agree with you. Like, that's your number one running back for a reason, I guess. But this one, he gets stopped short. Pirine does third and one at right or just over midfield. 11.8% decrease in win probability. Again, for an impactful play this late in the game, that's not huge. But with it being just one game, it comes out as the fourth most impactful play of the game. It was a big one. It set up. The fourth and one um, that that came next. That uh, there's a lot of a lot of conversation around that one for a couple of different reasons. I think this is Aaron Donald's arm uh, tackling P Ryan from behind. It was mm-hmm. a really great play. I mean, there was another defender who helped tackle him too, but I'll, but Donald basically reached from behind and got him with one arm. The man is incredible. And then the fourth down, Aaron Donald basically seals the game with the most impactful play of this Super Bowl as far as win probability. Yep, fourth and one, LA 49, got to have it or it's over. Uh, Cincinnati just had one timeout, chose not to use it afterwards, obviously. Uh, But being short, Joe Burrow just pressured, you know, almost right away, had really nowhere to go for it. They were at 24.4% win probability before this play, the Bengals were. Obviously, they don't get it. They dropped to zero. To me, I thought, you know, it was – Kind of in the heat of the moment, I thought he was just going to get sacked. Obviously, you know, he was in the grass, but for him to just kind of think, you know, basically, I got to get rid of this ball and just kind of toss it. Piron had a shot at it almost, you know, was close enough that could have caught that. And then I've seen the, um, 
Set all 22 in the next gen stats where Jalen Ramsey fell down again and Jamar Chase was wide open for a walk in touchdown if Burrow had maybe one more second. Obviously, he didn't. He was pressured pretty heavily, but that would have been absolutely bonkers. As everybody pointed out, the meme that went around this offseason showing Burrow with Penny Sewell throwing the ball to anybody, but but Burrow without Penny Sewell missing on a throw to chase like happened like that yep. meme came to life on the last play of the super bowl uh and it the great run of the bengals in the postseason ends uh just a little bit short it is interesting to note that all of the teams that were lowest in dvoa among teams that made the super bowl played close games Right, like those, you you would expect that the worst teams by DVOA to make the Super Bowl would get blown out, but the Panthers lost by three. The Cardinals lost by I can't remember if it was three or four. The 2008 Cardinals, the uh, 2003 Panthers, these Bengals lost by three, and then the Giants in 20 uh, 2007 won, and the Redskins in 1987 won huge. So um, interesting. Uh, our pick. And your pick, Edge Sports pick, mm-hmm. also both hit. Edge Sports' pick was uh, Rams uh, by three. Yep. And Football Outsiders' FO Plus uh, pick was Rams by four, with the line at four and a half. So, yes, uh, Bob Broccoli points out Ramsey had a rough game, but he did make a breakup on T. Higgins earlier that forced a field goal. He uh, PD'd at the goal line on T. Higgins. And it shows Ramsey doesn't, you know, he's not Revis or uh, mm-hmm. Stephon Gilmore. Like, he doesn't just sit on the opponent's number one receiver. He moves around a little bit, and he was on T. Higgins on a pretty big play. That's another one that people are, are screenshotting, calling for a, what should have been a penalty, too. I think he had a slight grab of the jersey, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in a still shot. It looks like it, but you know that people are using it to kind of claim that the the refs again. But in in motion, you know, it's not as bad as it looks, and it's still shot for that reason. The thing is, if we're going to complain that the refs play too big a role in the regular season, then we can't complain when they swallow their whistles for the stuff that's kind of ticky tack in the post. Yeah. All right, don't forget to check out the videos of Ian O'Connor doing the Coach of the Year awards. The final Edge Sports Coach of the Year was? Matt LaFleur, second second year in a row, taking home the top prize. He was third in EPI and eighth in CCI, putting him on top of the the rankings. And he was was my choice, actually, in the AP panel. Uh, He was my choice for Coach of the Year as well, Matt LaFleur. We can question whether we still would have voted for Matt LaFleur in the offseason, you know, based on the special teams play in the playoffs, but based on the regular season, he was coach of the year. And we give away a lot of other cool coaching awards looking at, you know, best decision of the season, you know, uh, best prospects, you know, moving forward, things like that. So we had a lot of fun with that one uh, as well. So check out that on edgesports.com. All right, let's print up the uh, YouTube. Uh, let's. I think YouTube also has those Edge Sports videos. Let's put up the graphic of the most impactful plays. Here we go. Most impactful plays of Super Bowl 56. Yeah, number nine was uh, early in the fourth quarter. It was the, the third and nine, the big sack for the Rams. They also had the penalty on Isaiah Prince, the unnecessary roughness. Um, dead ball foul. So the, the sack combined with that penalty um, didn't have any impact in the play. So we included that in. There's a 9.7% decrease in win probability. Took them from 65.9 down to 56.3. 
Number four was the third down, uh, third and one Project where they Ryan. Ryan yeah. got stopped. Yep, eleven point eight percent. Stafford's interception we covered as well. That's twelve point seven percent early the in the second third interception. Quarter. That's the yep, one the that went off of Quaronic's hands. Yep, right after that Bengals, the T. Higgins touchdown. Number two, uh, the touchdown to T. Higgins, 75 yards, first play of the second half was 17%. And then that sack of Joe Burrow, or the inco- sorry, incompletion when he's about to get sacked at the end of the game that, that won the game for the Rams was 24.4, taking the Bengals obviously down to 0%. All right, and to review the best fourth down coaching decisions from these games, we've got a little graphic for that as well. Uh, we we've already covered all of these decisions, but the third 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 was Zach Taylor when Joe Burrow uh, Joe Burrow scrambled up the middle for a four yard gain. Yep, that was number three. Number two was the one in the early in the first quarter. Uh, the Bengals' first drive, three point seven percent. They didn't convert, but the pre snap win probability gain was three point seven. And then the number one we covered, Sean McVay, with the the great call that ended up winning them the game uh, on that touchdown drive was five point eight percent in win probability. And uh, then the two bad decisions by McVay, which we also already covered. Uh, fourth and seven on the Cincinnati 49 when he punted. This is when he's down 20 to 16 and fourth and four on his own 41. I think that's wrong where it says Rams 35. It should be Cincinnati 49 or. Yes, Cincinnati 49, the fourth and seven. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Anyway, these, uh, you know, he punches, he punts a little too much, but, you know, I, it's hard to, slag him for it too badly given how bad you know any uh, any estimate we may have made of what to take off of their offensive dvoa in the model for losing beckham might have been too low because their offense without beckham and higby you know no beckham no higby it's it's the cascade effect right the more receivers you lose the bigger a problem it becomes like the first one gone is bad the second one gone is worse the third one gone is even worse because you're getting lower and lower and lower into your backups although Bryson Hopkins like let's give some respect here uh the backup he's their third tight end and with Kendall Blanton got injured and Tyler Higby injured uh Bryson Hopkins really stepped up in this game surprise yeah, and at least it wasn't, you know, fourth and fourth and one, fourth and two punts field goals we're seeing here. Again, like to your point, fourth and mediums, a four and a seven. It just the those numbers, the five and the two point nine, you know, people might call us on, which is fine. It's just based on our assessment of these two teams, the Rams offense being strong in DVOA. Cincinnati's defense isn't great. You know, I think they were middle of the pack with the regular season and playoffs combined. Yeah, very average. You're going to see some different numbers on here between, you know, ESPN and Ben Baldwin has some different ones as well. Um, but ours is just very strongly in favor of, of teams. You think they convert a lot more than people really realize too. You know, you don't see them go for it. So you don't, don't know, but when you're looking at third and sevens as kind of a proxy for a fourth and seven, because a lot of times that's essentially a fourth down, you know, those are converted a lot more than people would really expect not saying they convert those a lot, maybe one out of three. Um, but based on our assessment of these two teams, we, we like the the Rams to go for it in those situations. All right. Do you have any anything else uh, to sum up the Super Bowl? Did you have any particularly good bets that hit? Did you have any particular favorite commercials? Uh, <laughs> commercials, man, I, uh, I liked – 
Which one? The guy, the guy Fietti one, I thought was pretty funny. I was trying to figure out why the people they were dressed the way they were, and then they go back like mayor, mayor, and you realize it's him. I thought that was pretty good. I was was kind of working on a lot of different things throughout the game, so didn't get to pay attention to as many of them. Yeah, same, as I would same have liked here. To. I liked uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Zeus with Selma Hayek as Hera. I missed that one. So I'm going to have found a website that has them all listed out. So I'm going to have to go back and, and watch what I missed, but all in all, I mean, it was a, a good game in the beginning, just like the chiefs game. You know, I thought, Oh great, here we go. And it was 13 to three. I thought the the Rams maybe were going to blow them out. Um, one bet I wanted to make that I didn't was uh, Odell Beckham first touchdown. I made that bet against the 49ers in the championship game. It didn't work. He scored, but it didn't work. I think he scored. And then this time around, I didn't do it, but. Hoping that Green Bay goes for that same all-in approach next year, which it sounds like they might do, and they can make it work just like the Rams did this year. My uh, ESPN best bets for this game were Tyler Boyd over, which hit, and the Joe Burrow over, which did not. Um, All right. Super Bowl 46 is in the books. 56. Super Bowl 56 is in the books. Uh, Another season is done from Football Outsiders. Speaking of books, the next year's Football Outsiders Almanac will be in blue and yellow. That should be interesting. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching these streams all throughout the season, and thank Ian for joining me on Mondays all throughout the season. We're going to have lots more content. We're really expanding what we're doing in the offseason. So look for more draft content from Mike Tanier and Derek Klassen coming on Football Outsiders, as well as draft live streams talking about the 2022 draft. Look for my way, 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 way too early DVOA projections coming later this week. Look for the Football Outsiders awards results coming early next week. Look for uh, our division preview live streams starting this Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern with the NFC West. We'll start with the Super Bowl champions. Uh, Splash Play still going, talking about next year's best ball drafts live at 2.30 today, I believe. So check those guys out as well. Thank I'm sure there's going to be a lot of agreement with your your DVOA uh, proje- early projections as well, right? <laughs> You think there's going to be a lot of agreement? Yes. Well, they're going to look a lot like the actual DVOA from this season, which means Cincinnati is going to be low. Yep. Uh, so I look forward to that discussion. And people are going to be like, why is Dallas so high? Because Dallas was so high during the regular yep. season. What do you expect? Anyway, um, thank you all so much for joining us for these live streams. Keep joining us Wednesdays and Thursdays for the division previews. And look at Watch Football Outsiders and our Twitter account and our Instagram and everything, Facebook, to uh, find out when more of these streams and when the draft streams with Derek and Mike take place. And thank everybody for watching and have a good uh, rest of your week. I'll talk to you Wednesday. One minute.